0: Well, hello, and welcome to the Voter Podcast, because when you vote, great things can happen. I'm Mara Davis, Media Maven, Michelin Awards for Atlanta hostess. I can finally say all the winners, dog lover, food lover,
1: and mostly lover of recording this podcast. And I'm Jen Jordan, former state senator, but a lawyer who is back at it and uh, and, uh, and really loving it. But always happy to be here with, with my friends and my ladies.
2: And I am State Representative Terry Anulowitz from Cobb County. And I... Love my weekly
0: dose of smart lady talking. Well, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, Every week we say that. And I think in Georgia politics, we always have to say that. But let's start with uh, Terry. Things seem to keep happening in Cobb County. And we've had just, uh, you know, a wheel of anti-Semitism just hitting your neighborhood In so many disturbing ways, obviously, this has been top of mind for all of us, but it's really hitting home in the community. Uh, Let's discuss what you've been up to as you are coming to us from your office at the Statehouse.
2: Yes, I am at the Capitol on my personal computer, but I am I am at the I wanted to make that a very important point, Uh, but I am down at the People's House, which is the Georgia State Capitol. And I am here at the Capitol because earlier this morning, I attended a press conference and meeting information session with members of families of hostages, of the Israeli hostages who are being held by Hamas, presumably in Gaza. And I was invited to this late last week. And I felt it was really important to attend this. It's, it's, it was very important. You know, people say, well, what can you do? You're right. You're in the state legislature, but we can bear witness, which is very important if you're, you know, we are leaders in our communities and being able to bear witness and to share that story of just the absolute horror that these families have gone through and what they have experienced. Uh, it's it's overwhelming to, to hear from these, these individuals and the grace and the courage that they have to travel here. And they're, they're visiting Atlanta, and I think they're going to maybe Illinois, a couple other places to tell the stories of who these people are, you know, the humanity of these people who have been held hostage. One of the women who is here speaking on behalf of her cousin during the press conference, she interrupted, she said, I'm so sorry, I have to leave. They just released a, vi- a video of, of some hostages and my cousin is one of them. And that was when she found out that her cousin was alive. Uh, it's, again, it it is, it's, it's astonishing. You know, we, we watched a video of the attacks, videos that were, you know, taken by the terrorists. We watched videos of the aftermath. And again, just seeing, seeing this, it, it was, it was horrifying and it was doubly horrifying seeing it, knowing I found out when I woke up this morning that, Last night in Cobb County, a group of Nazis were broadcasting pro-Nazi mess. I'm not going to say the name of this group. I'm not going to say what it is that they broadcasted on an overpass up in Kennesaw along I-75. But I will tell you that they are Nazis. I will tell you that it is unfathomable that that kind of language, that kind of rhetoric not just persists, but it's increasing in frequency, right? We're seeing more of this. And every time something like this happens in Cobb, whether it's broadcasting Nazi slogans on an overpass or it is waving Nazi flags in front of a synagogue in East Cobb, there are people who say, well, this is horrible, but we have to remember they're not from Cobb County. This isn't homegrown. But that doesn't matter because there's a reason that they think they have an audience in Cobb County for this depravity, right? There's a reason they keep coming to Cobb County. So maybe they're from Bartow County. Okay, why aren't they doing this in Bartow County? It's because something about Cobb County has led them to believe that this is where they need to be, right? It's the same people who are spreading flyers into Cobb County and Cobb County and you know, wherever there, there are Jewish communities. They're the same people who are, they're they're spreading terror. This is what they're doing. But they keep coming to Cobb, and it's really concerning. And I think it's incredibly important for all of us in that community, in in the Cobb County community and throughout Montreal, I mean, basically all decent people, right, to make it known just how absolutely unacceptable and depraved this kind of behavior is. I was glad that there were actually six members of the Cobb County delegation this morning, at the, at the press conference. It was very good to see that. And again, just to stand with these family members who, one of them said that when she arrived in Atlanta yesterday, it was the first time in three, you know, three plus weeks that she's been able to take a shower without worrying that a rocket was going to hit her house when she was in the shower, right? I mean, I, we can't imagine that. And so it was, it was a very powerful morning. And again, experiencing this in the context of, what happened in Cobb County last night, it was, it was very sobering. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot there and there's not, I mean, there's not a lot, you know, that we can really say. Um, But I I will say this, whether people are from Bartow County or somewhere else um, they are from the state of Georgia um, and they are, you know, in this country. And a lot of these groups are absolutely connected to um, uh, domestic terrorism groups that have been identified um, as hate groups. And it's, it's one of these things where, you yeah. know, just when we think, you know, we've made so much progress, right? Um, we see uh, anti-Semitism and Jew hate and um, bigotry, whatever you want to call it, across the board. Really, rear its head, and it's not okay it's not okay and um it's not something that you can let fester because what then happens are the bigger things right um if you just kind of turn your head for these these things that folks are like oh well they're not they're not from here or well they're they're literally ten mile they're from ten miles up the road from you 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 can't impose some kind of visible you know, invisible line that says, okay, well, they're from a different county. That's, that's, that's crazy. That's ridiculous. And, and it's just something we should not tolerate, period. You know, in, in, end of it, right? There's not, there's even, I don't even think this should be up for discussion, but here we are, right? Here we are. Right.
2: It's not a debate.
0: It's yeah, but I, I I feel like I'm so troubled by this because everybody's like I like there was a quote I saw in the in the article about it, about the Cobb Con- County thing. And somebody said, this is not who we are. And I thought as Georgians, this is not who we are. And I thought, yes, it is. You've got a congresswoman uh, who makes jokes about Jewish space lasers. You've got the governor the Attorney General having speeches using George Soros' rhetoric and how many countless others. You've got Holocaust deniers showing up at events. You've got the frontrunner of the GOP, the former president who dines with Holocaust deniers, who basically says Hezbollah is doing a great job and who is constantly... Uh, ha- putting out anti-Semitic rhetoric, including there are fine people on both sides. So if you're adjacent to that, why are they saying or you can't say this is not who we are? Because this the call is coming inside of the house. And I think that's what's just been so frustrating for me as a Jewish person and seeing, you know, look, I'm not like, someone who is an activist for Israel and all that. I I try not to talk about it because I'm not an expert. But when it comes to anti-Semitism, it's been right here every day with these politicians who are holding important roles like you are, Terry, in the Statehouse right now. And that's why I just feel like, I feel like nobody's really talking about that.
1: Well, and look, I mean, Mayor, remember when your um, in-laws got the um, the political ads from David Perdue, that was like a, 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 holog- a hologram. Um, and basically, when you, you turned it, it was like a picture of of um, John Ossoff, this is when he was running against Purdue, when you turned it slightly, like his nose grows, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. And then on the opposite side, it had um, this beautiful picture of this beautiful brown family, right? And then you turn it slightly, and then they're all dressed like as if they're terrorists. I mean, like you said, this is people can't just act like, oh, no, no, I don't I don't support this when everything they've done, um, especially in terms of trying to get into power, really does, you know, it just panders to, to bigots. And and they would rather do that um than take a stand that actually is is purposeful and right. And and until we deal with that reality and we start holding people accountable for that instead of just saying well that's just that's just political rhetoric or that's just what they you know they're doing to get elected yeah it's what they're doing to get elected and they're normalizing it and it really it isn't okay right and you want to elect someone who's
2: willing to do that you want to elect someone who is willing and so desperate to be relevant and in a position of political power that even if they might not in their heart believe those things, they're still willing to say them. No, that's not who you need. That's not who, that's not who you should be voting for or supporting or knocking on doors for or writing unhinged Facebook posts in support of. It's just, that's just not. I mean, and when you decide to vote for that person, especially if you think, well, that's just what they're saying to get elected, you need to really question your heart. And what it is that you're trying to accomplish by voting for someone who is willing to say and, 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 and pander to such a horrible sentiment. It's, it's, it's just, it doesn't make sense.
0: And it's there. It's, it's just there. So this is a clip from Jake Tapper. Incredible.
1: By the way, the, the best clip that I've heard. And he just nails it. So I hope everybody really listens. So uh, let's take a listen to this
0: uh, minute of it.
1: Anti-Semitism is not a cudgel
0: to be used against people for political points, nor is Islamophobia or racism or anti-gay behavior or misogyny or, or any other kind of bigotry. Just over three weeks ago, 1,400 people, mostly Jews, mostly civilians, were slaughtered here in some of the cruelest and most unimaginable ways, in the
1: deadliest day for Jews since the Holocaust. This shit is not a game.
0: So Jake Tapper gave an incredible editorial just talking about people who want to use this cause for political purposes and how absolutely gross that is. So you should look that up and listen to it because it's very, very powerful. And I think that's been my overwhelming feeling through all of this is it just seems like I am hearing from so many people or seeing so many people on my feed who are suddenly like just waving that, what? wow, anti-Semitism everywhere, like, like, yeah, I have gone to the JCC a ton of times, and it's been this is this is nothing new, but what it is is it's amplifying everything and all of these like crazy events. Like, I actually texted the both of you on this about some of it because I, I I tweeted about this or exed about it or whatever X'd about it sounds kind of funny um about like, some golf tournament fundraiser where there is a uh, former UGA, is he a football player who's part of it? And that is like, so here we are. Like, it's a golf tournament and they're
1: part of these extremist things. No, you're completely right. And, and the organization is one that has, and, and Terry and I are very well acquainted with the organization because they have been behind other far right um kind of efforts in this state, including the abortion ban, right? They were the ones that had folks I mean, it was and Terry, I don't know what your memory of what happened with all that was, but whenever they, they had hearings or we would have hearings mm-hmm. on 481, um, there would be these families with all of these home school children. Yeah. And, and the children were small. And so you would have like a, a mom come in with like eight kids or five kids, and they would all get there super early so they could sit on the front, um, you know, few rows. And then these little kids. Right. And this this is the kind of, of things that they push. Right. Like this, this complete abortion bans and and rhetoric that's not even grounded in science or truth and, and really all about some kind of idea that that this is what God wants and and kind of a warped view of Christianity or the Bible or whatever. And so Frontline is one of those groups um, and they are. Now, pushing in, in other areas as well, well, because,
2: and we've talked about this on the podcast, right, now that they have made the the accomplishments they have in the anti abortion question
1: right right What's so next?
2: how are they going to justify their existence, how are they going to raise money? how are they going to you know how is their leader, how is their leadership continued to get their salaries paid and it's so they had to shift, and so these are the same groups, and they did this during. The HB 481, the heartbeat bill hearings, and they did this. They were right there again, front and center during the bills to ban health care for transgender youths that we had during the legislative session this year. This is the group that coordinates and organizes the folks who are paid, who the folks who make their living coming to testify at our hearings. I think Chloe Cole is one of the big ones who her flight was canceled. So we actually were never graced with her presence in Georgia, but she th- she makes her living testifying about how she was trans and how she to detransitioned. Now, that's a choice she can make. I have no issue with that. No,
1: and they've got the same thing on the abortion stuff, too. It's, it's the same on the abortion. They have folks... They have these professional
2: witnesses. They I are mean, professional. They are professional, by which I just like whether you're talking about an athlete or whatever it is, if you make your living doing this, you are professional and they are professional activists who make their living going around and testifying on these issues that Frontline, this organization, then uses to raise money so that they can pay themselves salaries. That's it. They're also
0: under the uh, guise of this is the Lord's work and this is, you know, it's through churches and all of that. I want to pivot to the Georgia Supreme Court and HB 41. Jen, uh, Terry, as you both know, there was a ruling last week and this was something that Jen had talked about a long time about the Georgia Constitution and the right to privacy. But that, O- was overruled. Uh, tell us a little bit. Nope.
1: Uh, actually, actually not. And that's what people need to understand. Oh, good. Explain what it happened, to me. What happened is, is that Judge McBurney in the Fulton County Superior Court, instead of ruling on whether or not the Georgia Constitution has a right to privacy, he really traveled under another provision, which basically says that any unconstitutional law is void. Right. So. What he said, and and to be quite frank, I think he's right, but that's neither here nor there now. Um, What he said is that the time that a law is passed is when you make a determination if it's constitutional or not. At the time that 481 was passed, it was unconstitutional, unquestionably. Nobody disputes that. Um, Ergo, it's void. Meaning it can't um, come back. It can't you can't like wash it and make it pretty or anything and make it legal. Um, But really what you would have to do is, look, you just repass it. So the whole idea is that, look, the Republicans control the governor's mansion, the Senate, the House. And so the whole thing is, look, y'all passed an unconstitutional law. We know you could pass a similar law now and there wouldn't be a problem. So, guys, all you got to do is, is is just pass it again and, and, you're, and you're golden. So this was kind of, in my perspective, a perfect way for the court to be able to avoid kind of getting into that stickiness of is there a right to privacy under the Georgia Constitution? Do we really have to talk about kind of the the substance around all this stuff? And let's just let the legislature do it again, because now they know it will go through that, that it will be. Enforceable, right? And a lot of Republicans that I talked to and Terry talked to at the time were like, oh, it's not a big deal. We're voting for this because it's unenforceable and this is just for our base. And so now that we know what really the reality is in terms of the legal landscape, this just would have given the the legislature a second bite at the apple. Um, But the Supreme Court punted and decided that 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 was not the case and that they weren't going to go with that. And that really, once Dobbs came down, then that basically made everything okay with respect to 481. And they sent it back to McBurney. So now Judge McBurney in Fulton County Superior Court is going to actually have to take on the issue of whether or not there is a right to privacy under the Georgia Constitution. So a loss of the battle but not necessarily you know of of the war yet um but of course disappointing nonetheless cuz this really would have been um you know this would have been a good way to kind of you know push it back to the political branch right for them to deal with it um and have the judiciary not necessarily have to get involved and um you know also it's just major limbo still, right? So now it's going to go back to him. He's going to rule one way or the other. It's going to come back, you know, in terms of the uh, the appellate courts. And so we're looking at another year, right, before we get any real determination or any finality on this. Bob McBurney, he's uh, in the eye of the storm. Feel the
2: McBurn. Feel the, feel Mc, the McBurn. Feel the McBurn.
0: Well, that is interesting, uh, also because w- I feel from these uh 2024 elections you know obviously abortion is hugely on the ballot uh, as we speak we're recording on Monday but tomorrow in Virginia there's some major elections there where it's like the the uh Virginia State House could tip it's like a 50 50. and with with Yunkin as governor um you know Virginia is one of those Georgia like states. So even though it's sort of an odd time for election, I, I I feel like it's important to keep our eye on what happens there, because um, with something like this happening in Georgia uh, and it will people will women be or just will people be driven to get out and vote?
1: And what folks may not know is that so Virginia is a weird state in terms of its election cycle, and it is always an off election cycle state. I think it may be the only one, um, but it's always important to watch what happens um, there because it really can be kind of a harbinger of what's to come. That's what we saw with the election of Yunkin, right? Um, and we really saw that there was some discontent in terms of parents and um you know all the covid stuff and you know there was really a pushback in terms of democrats you know having taken power and some of the things that democrats were pushing that came that came out of that election that we were able to see and then we we actually kind of saw it play out in our election too so it's it's good to watch just to see okay what's really pushing people now um to the point that they're they're voting on it as opposed to just kind of you know, posting on Facebook or X or whatever, but they're actually, you know, putting that thought into action.
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel like that was uh, kind of a bellwether in a weird way. Like with the Yunkin election, As you know, here we have this like polished, good-looking white guy and his vest and children's rights and parents' rights and education. And then everybody took what he was saying and it suddenly became...
1: Everything. Book banning, burning. Oh, yeah, right? we love, yeah. Yeah,
2: the Loudoun County Board of Education, their meetings are just melees. Bonkers. I mean, it is. Bonkers. To, well, in Virginia, you think about it, it's a lot, it has a lot of similarities with Georgia, right? I mean, you've got a state that has urban areas and suburban areas that tend to be much more democratic, but then you've got a lot of the rest of the state, which tends to not be. I mean, Virginia goes all the way over into Appalachia. Yeah. And so you've got, you know, you've got Charlottesville, you've got Richmond, you've got, you know, Northern Virginia, but then you've got a lot of very rural areas and you've, I mean, it is, it, you know, I was up in Virginia last weekend. I'm married to a Virginia and it's, it's not it's, it's it's and like North Carolina is the same way, right? Like, and th- that's another state that really goes back and forth at a pace that would give us whiplash in Georgia. But it's, this election is going to be very interesting. And I would imagine that Republicans in Georgia are probably paying very close attention to what's going to happen in Virginia tomorrow. If they're not, they
0: should be. Well, OK, so by the time you're, well, when you, whenever you listen to this, we can recap on that next week. Before we get to what we're raving about this week, um, I definitely
1: want to bring up the new Speaker of the House, Johnson. Michael, or Mike (laughs) Blindside Johnson. Like, you know, that guy. (laughs) Yeah. And
2: by the way, he's from Louisiana. He's not from New Orleans. He's North Louisiana. It's very different.
0: Okay, so I want to bring up this. The two of you have been saying... For weeks in this speaker of the house mess on how the speaker of the house is someone who drives fundraising for candidates for congressional candidates. And here we have basically a guy. And I you in this conversation, we can both weigh in on the redistricting because now we have uh, more a lot of potential for more Democrats. So and and here you have uh, to me, he's Mr. Waterford from Handmaid's Tale with all this Bible stuff and his Bible podcast, which in- interestingly enough, apparently they pull down all the episodes, but the Internet never forgets. You know, the minute he was elected, somebody downloaded all that stuff. So you could take that shit down, but someone's going to get it. And now here we are in like fundraising we've got a year of fundraising what do you think that looks like terry well it's unfortunate
2: that the louisiana state democratic party is in total disarray right now because i think they could have a lot of opportunities to to do something by to to help explain what a maniac this guy is you know jim the conclusion i've come to is that this guy is just as far right as jim jordan he's just not as big of an asshole as jim jordan is, you know, didn't you know didn't have his supporters calling and giving death threats to people's wives and partners. So i think that um fundraising is going to be a problem for this guy for many many reasons and i i have to wonder at what point fatigue just kicked in with the republican caucus up in dc, right? at what point were They just so tired of this. And apparently the infighting inside of those meetings was brutal, like really, really messy and really ugly and really brutal, which couldn't happen to a nicer group of people. But they, I think they just got tired and they're like, well, this guy is not an asshole, but,
1: he's also really, really, really far right. He's he's crazy. Look, I mean, y'all, like he literally has said that women have an obligation to bear a child for purposes of the economy. It's like, dude, who Wait, are you? You know where else they talked about that? I think
2: in The Handmaid's Tale. And also right Germany alone? in the, no, Germany in the 30s. Yeah, yeah
0: that was like a whole thing. Yeah. That was a thing. Again, yeah, that was a calls coming from an inside the house.
1: I'm just like, and then he's like, if you want to know about my policies, just look at the Bible. I'm like, dude, you clearly haven't read the Bible. But he's from Louisiana. Louisiana. all kinds of stuff yeah, in the Bible. So he's not going to eat shellfish? I don't know you necessarily want to be saying that. I mean, there's some stuff in there that we really shouldn't like be pushing for, like the whole, you know... Marrying your wife's sister, kind of thing. There's all kinds of weird stuff, and he's like, "Oh, look at this, the Bible." And then women, go ahead, get pregnant so you can you birth the worker. It's like, give me a friggin' break! Like, where are we for
0: God's sake? So that's why I wonder. Like, look, this guy is like, and and I can say that. You know, obviously, we are left-leaning and career women. I'm a,
1: We are women. We are yeah. women who have autonomy over our bodies. And I'm not going to have some Mr. Rogers 12-year-old looking dopey dude from Louisiana telling me I need to birth children for purposes of, of the labor market. Like, that is just nuts. Remember, he's in the same—he's
2: from Louisiana, which is where John Kennedy is from. And he's the senator who asked Amy Coney Barrett, who, yeah— Girls got her issues. But he asked her during her Senate confirmation hearing, who does the laundry at her house?
0: Yeah. So we have a whole class of these people who are clearly uh, living in, in the Mad Men
1: era. Mad Men? He made some kind of comment about somebody <laughs> said, I'm like from the 1800s, early 1900s. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, I'm a bigot. And he was like, I think we need to get back there. Get back there? What white like because you, you're a white dude, like, yeah, and, and the, you weren't enslaved or you had rights and could own property. Yeah, it's like this guy is is so like he's terrible,
2: it's awful. Yeah, they, they yeah. want their hashtag tradwives. They want their tradwives. What, yeah, what kind it's, of wives? oh, oh, Jen, oh, you're gonna have some fun after this. Go to Instagram, oh no, and search for the hashtag tradwife t r a d w i f e. Oh, yeah. Oh, Yo, you're going to have some fun. Trad you're wife. You're going to have a good time. Trad wife. We got to have Joe Piazza on so we can talk about Okay. Trad we're going to talk about
0: that because this, yeah. this is a, a crazy thing. Uh, and so we'll uh, fundraising. That's interesting. Redistricting the Supreme Court ruling uh, where we have to have more black majority districts. But like Alabama was like, suck it. Uh, Supreme Court. We're not doing that. And then they came back and were like, yes, you do have to do that. And now this is affecting Georgia. Can we put this in a nutshell?
2: Well, in Alabama, they were like, we're to We don't need to draw the maps or they drew their maps. And they were like, well, we totally did what they said. And the judge is like, no, you didn't. Here's (laughs) your special (laughs) master. And now they're going to have their maps drawn with zero Zero ability. Ability to n- have any kind of input or control. Right. Nothing And nothing having to do with incumbency. So now everybody in Alabama is in jeopardy. Yes. So we go back in on November 29th for a special session. I'm personally glad it is November 29th and not January 1st or, or January 2nd, which is what had
1: been rumored. That would be awful. And I am personally glad that I am a former state senator. <laughs> 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 yeah.
2: Yeah. You know, it's, I'm not on reapportionment. Most of, most of us down there will not be doing much except going down to participate in the process participate. I use that term loosely. I will not be directly participating in this process because I am a Democrat, but I do, you know, I do think that the house will give credence to the order because this opinion I asked my husband, I was like, is it an opinion or is it an order? He's like, well, it's kind of both. Uh, but the order is very, very specific as to which districts are in violation of Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act. There are several congressional districts, several House districts, several Senate districts. I will post to my Twitter because I, I did I matched the district numbers to the people who are currently in those districts because that can be helpful and give some context. They're in Metro Atlanta and they are in um, around the Macon area also. I think that's most of it. And I think the House will typically do what the judge wants because I think we would all like to avoid a special master. Uh, The Princeton gerrymandering project, after we did our maps, the House maps actually got a grade of B. Now the Senate, where their maps got a grade of F from the Princeton gerrymandering project, the Senate's been a little bit feral lately. Um, lately but like really <laughs> fair i mean i know no they're like beyond it's they're a little feral more so than usual and i i don't know if they're gonna do what the judge wants them to do so i feel like the senate is the general assembly wild card which that's evergreen right oh they appeal it i mean are they gonna try to appeal this what, what? oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's an appeal. And I'm certain that the revised maps are already ready to go. The fact that the governor's office was able to issue the call for the special session within an hour or so of the ruling tells you know, they had it.
1: Yeah, they they're they're, they're
2: queued up. They know what they're doing. Yeah, they're ready they've ready. they
1: already go. got Brian Tyson that's already exactly. drawn those maps in his little computer and his law office out in Cobb County. So it's one of those things where they know exactly what they're going to do. But something to um, watch out for is that we are going to get we Democrats, let's say, are going to get another um, uh, congressional um, office seat, whatever you call it. Um, so that'll be interesting because, of course, that's going to open up um, people leaving their state House and state Senate seats to, to jump in to run for Congress. This is all, what always happens, which then is going to trigger all these special elections, yep. right? We know about that. Yeah. So there's that kind of aspect people need to keep their eyes on. But another thing that was really interesting that folks need to pay attention to in terms of when Terry posts these districts um, that really are have been kind of fingered by, you know, the the district court, uh, Judge Jones. And you're like, well, a lot of these are Democratic districts like A lot of these are are Democratic state senators or um, Democratic House reps. How how does this violate, you know, the Voting Rights Act, especially if we're talking about majority, um, the power of minorities um, to elect representatives, you know, from their communities? Right. Well, the big issue, and this is really important for people to understand, is what Republicans have done in the past to kind of bob and weave with the um, with the Voting Rights Act is they have packed black voters, and they call it packing and cracking. And so they have packed black voters into districts, and so like you'll have instead of just a majority minority district, right, where it's like fifty five percent. Black voters or 60% black voters, you'll have districts that are 80% plus black voters, right? And so they put them all in the same district. So then that way, overall, they take away and dilute black voting power, right? And the ability to elect um, candidates of color. Um, more candidates of color across the board. So what I think we'll see with a lot of those districts, and I'm sure there's going to be some Democrats that are going to be all up in arms, right? Because they haven't had to worry about competition or their district changing forever. Um, and so what's going to happen is their, their districts are going to become a lot more balanced. There'll still be majority-minority districts, right, in terms of preserving Black voting power, but it ain't going to be anywhere close. Um, and what that might do is actually open up a lot of competition that had not been there, right? And you, you might have other people jumping in um, to these districts. So I think overall, this is a good thing. I think it's good to have competition. I think it's good um, for people to have to justify the um, you know, you re-electing them and it not just being like, well, that guy's always been there, so what are we going to do? I think that's really important and I think that's how you get really good people elected to office. So I think man, kudos to Judge Jones and um, kudos to Terry for uh, showing up for redistricting with a with a smile on her face. Always, always,
0: always. always. And you know what, Jen, that's something that you've said so early on ever since I've known you um, which is really great, a great- great mantra like competition is a good thing it right forces thing. you to work harder um and that's you know not normally what we're used to hearing so that's that's anyway and then showing no. up you terry yeah. right yes to compromise, yes to get stuff done right
2: like having a narrower margin in the general assembly which if we do what the judge has ordered us to do there will very likely be a narrower partisan margin in the General Assembly. That's a good thing because that means that Republicans can't be like, okay, we're going to talk about, you know, whatever policy it is, they have to really bring it. They can't just push it through because a lot of these issues, especially when you're getting to civil liberties issues, you're talking about a lot of issues about how we, how we you know, c- civil liberties is what really comes to mind. But there are a lot of Republicans who often vote with Democrats on these issues of civil liberties. You, they've got to really explain and make a case for why they're going to need every piece of legislation because already you know you look at what happened with the voucher bill and that wasn't a partisan divide in many ways it was a it was a rural and urban divide when you look at the republicans who voted against that school voucher bill so they they are going to have to it, it's going to result in more thoughtful policy and that's a good thing now i have a bit of news that came out of the press conference that we had this morning that we talked about earlier on the show. Yes. Breaking news from Terry Anulowitz. Won't actually be breaking because y'all will listen to this on Tuesday. But at the press conference, uh, State Representative Esther Panich, who is the only Jewish member of the General Assembly, called on the governor to add to this call for a special session, which is for the special redistricting session. And also in the call, he also talks about the gas tax. She asked him to please Add to the call the um, consideration of the anti-Semitism, the the legislation that she has been working on and that is currently stalled in the Senate.
1: And it's a bill that specifically defines anti-Semitism because it's a broad, you know, some people are like, well, you know it when you see it kind of thing. But the Mm. problem is it's very hard to uh, enforce laws that restrict anti-Semitism if it's kind of this ambiguous kind of thing, right? Yeah, there's, there's a reason why at the beginning of every piece of
0: legislation we do, you see a list of definitions. Right, right. Well, that's going to be interesting because, again, the call's coming inside of the House. So that's going to be scrutinized and... Call for the special session? Yep. The call... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so these are Happy all Happy Halloween. Yeah, exactly. All right. A lot to unpack there. A lot to do our homework on. Let's get to the fun stuff. What are we raving about this week? Terry, what you got? Georgia Tech won
2: their football game at home on Homecoming. <laughs> it was so exciting. It was good for them. They beat University of North Carolina, but it was exciting for me as a mom because my phone started blowing up after the game because on the national broadcast, and this was an 8 p.m. game. It was a nighttime game. God bless these little students for making it to the stadium, right? Like that alone deserves, deserves kudos because maybe if you've been to college and you've tailgated all day, you don't always make it to the game. I don't know. I'm not speaking from experience at all. I didn't. My college didn't even have a football team. But I started getting all these <laughs> pictures and texts from folks because on the national broadcast and the the georgia tech the engineers stormed the field in a very methodical engineering way and there was a (laughs) they there is my son engineers the engineers stormed the field probably different than if it were to happen in athens uh but anyway on on the national broadcast there was a photo of my sweet boy wearing his coat and tie because he is a pledge at a fraternity and they wear their coats and ties to the game so he looks like you know a little young businessman and he's there taking selfies with the players and it was a lot of fun and then he sent me the selfie that he took so it was fun to see the video of him storming the field with all of the other engineers um, their hell of a homecoming. That's exciting. So yeah, Georgia Tech.
0: That's exciting. Jen, what what you got this week?
1: So in honor of Halloween, I am raving about my daughter's um, Halloween costume. A, because I'm proud of her because it isn't like one of those sexy cop, sexy cheerleader, sexy nurse, slutty kitten, (laughs) slutty dog, whatever it is. It's like, it's like, let's just really play into all of those awful stereotypes and beat up on girls who already are having a hard time in terms of their self-esteem. No, instead, she went quite the other way and she is going to be Guy Fieri. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the Mayor of flavortown the Mayor of flavortown that's actually a hot shirt, costume I think I has- love it the hair I love it that's some adhesive for the you know for the whatever that stuff on his face is um you know i I'm not even a lover of the Mayor of Flavortown and think maybe there should be uh, another election, but it uh <laughs> it's, it 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 made me proud. I was glad she didn't want to be cute right and 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 kind of went with something that she thought would get some some pretty significant laughs
2: listen i hope she has a tray of jalapeno poppers yeah i, I think it's it.
0: great i listen a lot of people you know give guy fieri a hard time but you know what he loves food he has a great time he's actually pretty philanthropic he gives you know yeah. there's some unsavory stuff like him showing up with trump at a i think at a like one of those like um cage matchy fight things it, but he does do good work, and I could watch D- Triple D. This is when we watch it. It's like we make fun of it where it sounds like this <laughs> That's what, what he sounds Well, like. I haven't
1: been this excited about a costume since Koki and I both dressed up like avocados, and when we uh when I posted it on Twitter, i it got liked by the whole avocados from Mexico. Remember that whole avocados from Mexico, (laughs) right? That whole group. I was like, oh my gosh, I have, I have made it. So anyway, so
0: that's exciting. Well, I'm raving about Atlanta's dining community. Uh, I had the extraordinary opportunity to emcee the Michelin Star Awards last week at the Rialto Theater, which when I said last week, I was holding a lot of secrets. It was wild because I had to sign a lot of stuff saying that I couldn't say anything. It was really, really hard. So when I went to MC and I saw the chefs, I didn't want to see anybody because I, I knew what was going down. Um, but it was, it was just so magical and it was so great to see all of these restaurants. You know... In, you, they had uh, different categories. They had sommelier. They had front of house. They had the Green Awards for sustainability. They had notable restaurants, Bib vermont like less expensive restaurants or, or restaurants that were just in the guide. And it was exciting to see so many different places represented. A lot of people debated what won, what didn't win, what should have won. But ultimately, it was just a great celebration of people's dedication to the dining community and I do want to shout out the restaurant lady Lazy Betty who won who did get one star only because it's a tasting menu and they really were hitting their stride when covid hit Yeah. And there were a lot of restaurants like that who it was like, oh, well, you know, it's like my friend Craig Richards from Lila Lila who opened in January 2020 and their resilience to just keep it going when it was just not easy to be a restaurant for the past two, like two, three years. And then them receiving that honor there. It was just uh, what a night it was for Atlanta. It was absolutely amazing.
1: Well, and I think what you're saying is right, which is I think that this finally kind of cements Atlanta's role um, as a place to eat, right? As as a food city, as a foodie city. And anybody who's been here for a while knows that, especially you, Mayor, of all people. Um, But it's one of those things where it's almost like a formal recognition. No matter what you think about the Michelin star stuff, you know, good, bad, ugly, bourgeois, whatever. You know, um, it's one of those things where it definitely it it, it elevates um, kind of the entire restaurant scene here. And I think that I think that's absolutely a good thing. And I am just jealous that I did not go because it looked awesome. It
2: looked amazing. It, was it looked cool. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. It validates what so many of us have already known. Right. That Atlanta is a world class food city. And I, I think that the five who got their stars, it's very well deserved. And I was thrilled that there are two Bib Gourmands in HD42, yeah, yeah. Barbecue.
0: And there's, and we have an Antico. Yeah. So that was, a, and, and, um, you know, I was afraid. I, I knew there was a live stream, and it would live on the internet forever. So I kept my jokes to a minimum. But my one joke, which of course got a lot of laughs, was, um. I I said, because it was the crowd was sort of like everybody's nervous. And I was like, all right. Because I had a list off the sponsors of all the alcohol companies. I was like, all right, is everybody lubricated? And it just, it was so awkward. I know, I know, (laughs) I know, I know. know. It just came out. So there you go. But everybody seemed to laugh. And the Michelin people were lovely. And the Michelin man is named Bibb, just so you know. And Bibb. If you notice bibs, like trim down, like slim Michelin man. It's not he's like he's on a big... the
2: Ozempic.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say, is it Ozempic or Wagovi? I don't know. <laughs> he's on, he's on his shot. He got a shot. Good for him. Okay, everybody. This has been really great. Shout out to my dear friend, Ollie, who is our biggest fan and wants to hang out with us in person. So Uh, yeah, I want to make sure she's listening. Okay. Um, Listen, if you have a comment for us, just email me, Mara at Maradavis.com. I'll make sure it gets to the right place. Thank you for listening this week. Thanks, Christina, as always, for getting our audio where it needs to be. And we will talk to you next week.